Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And with me, Robbie. And here we are, episode 48. And we are taking our first ever trip, surprisingly enough. I think I'm correct. Our first ever trip yeah. to Elm Street. For we are. This is our first one. Yeah, it's weird. It was two years and we never hit Elm Street. With no, a I'm... nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, not even starting with the original. <laughs> well, we thought it's the uh, 35th anniversary of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the Dream Warriors, in March. Um, so I thought we... Well, actually, no, it's February the 27th that this was released. So it was actually yesterday that this film was first released in the United States all the way back in 1987. Um, so we thought we would we'd celebrate the anniversary um, of, I mean, what I think is the best sequel in the franchise. Um, but what is also uh, a really important film in the franchise, not just in terms of uh, kind of the, the character Freddy himself and some lore for the character, but also in the actual kind of the direction that the franchise was going to take um, the dream sequences and um, in my opinion uh, a lot of the death scenes in this kind of start to get more elaborate which is kind of what the franchise later becomes known for um, and as somebody on uh, on Twitter kind of said uh, to, to go to the social media lounge kind of first um, <laughs> I think it was uh, Simon from um, So I Married a Horror Fan podcast who was obviously with us last week when we did the um, new Texas Chainsaw Massacre obviously if you missed it go and check out that episode um, but I think he said that it almost feels um, like it's kind of the original, you know, uh, is it, uh, maybe it wasn't him, but somebody said that it, <laughs> it's kind of a, so I just gave him a shout out. He's our boy anyway. Um, but said that it kind of feels as if it's like an original requel uh, in so much that, you know, we get have Heather coming back after being, and uh, John Satson, after being absent, I was about to say abstinent, after being <laughs> absent from the, uh, from the, from the second film. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Seb. Uh, I mean, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I, I'm not so sure if that one gets the requel status, because I kind of feel No, like definitely that's, not. That's, it, that's more, it's more, you could say, a concluding part in a trilogy, which tends to bring back characters from the past. You know, yeah. not that this was a planned trilogy in any such way. As as Nightmare on Elm Street fans will know and things like that, that, that Wes Craven re ne never really envisioned this as a franchise, and especially not a franchise the way it went. He, Wes Craven never really liked the comedic elements of the no. Freddy character. They had he had small com like small comedic elements in the original, but for the most part, he was more of a kind of a figure, a scarier figure when he wasn't talking in his eyes anyway. And the stuff that he did say in the first two were that kind of creepy stuff that, you know, he would say. Um, was, whereas I, I think in this one, it's where we start to get 
the puns and we start to get the you know the quips after the kills uh but we still have a bit of a darker freddy so this is kind of when i say you know it's an important film in the franchise um stylistically we still have a slightly you know this kind of dark version of freddy but the 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 comedy elements start to come in yeah best of both Um, best of both we get here yeah um, I, I think, think the film itself opens incredibly. You first, Epo, before, yes, before I steamroll into the opening. Before steamroll into that opening. No, I, I just, I, I think, I think you're, you're right. In the original, it was much more of that kind of, that he's this kind of, uh, whatever you want to call him, paedophile or sexual predator. You know, the, yeah. there's much more, uh, there's much more darkness to uh, what, sorry. The dog wants to be released. <laughs> uh, she locked herself in the room with me. <laughs> oh, fun! Um, the yeah, there's much of a darker, darker edge in the original film, and then obviously we had the sequel, which I, I personally, I mean, I, I haven't revisited the sequel in a long time. To be fair, I hadn't revisited these films in a long time. I, I, I do need to revisit them, but the fact that twelve or thirteen year old me really didn't like the sequel i just always remember i find it really boring and i just didn't like the direction i felt like they had all these amazing ideas that they could have had with this character and i felt like in the sequel they took none of those directions they did like the most boring way they can approach the story for me and i think that's for me that's the problem with the sequel i mean there are some stuff in in um freddy's revenge that i do really like um jesse as a character i i really like um I Freddie even himself, you know, has some horrid quotes and moments in that. You know, this kind of deformed dog monster he has is called. The opening scene on the bus is really cool. And the and you know, there's a lot that I do like about it. Um even you know, know it watching it when you're an adult and you know the kind of homoeroticism of it. Um which you always, I could always do with more in my slasher films. Um, you know, it, that for me, that those things are are okay. But I think they, I think the problem with it was that they were in this stage where I think they'd introduced this new character and they had this idea of killing people through dreams. Um, and I think it's a, it's more of a mishandling of that than that. I find it's the possession element you know that jesse is being possessed to do these things and to bring freddie into the real world which kind of doesn't really work whereas i think with this one i think they went back to the drawing board and thought well actually what was effective about the first one was the dream sequences and the idea of being powerless against him because everybody has to sleep and that kind of stuff so i think that they kind of found their footing a lot more with this um that's what I'd say about Freddy's Revengers. I think it's an enjoyable film, but I think it's very messy and very muddled in kind of what it wants to be. Um, yeah, I, I will. I will have to revisit it, but I, I definitely have not. I don't have any fond. I don't really have any fond memories of it. I just yeah. remember being so disappointed after loving the original so much, and then watching that one, and and then I and that might be part of why I really love this third one because I felt like this one truly, I feel like possibly out of all of the not Nightmare on Elm Street films, I feel like this one got what would make the perfect kind of mixture of a, 
of an Elm Street film, of a Freddy film. Like I felt like this this film shows the true potential of what Freddy Krueger could do and what the nightmare dream sequences could really do for the character. Yeah. And, the story. and that's kind of why I want to jump straight into the opening of it. Because yeah, each of you know, um each of the films do open kind of with this dream sequence. Um but this the opening of this film with uh you know um, Patricia Arquette obviously being introduced as uh, what's her name is it Kristen uh, Parker um, yeah. it's you know I think it, it's it's so kind of it's so awesome with it kind of instantly goes into you know her trying to stay awake and then her mum's got you know a guest and tries to put her to bed and you know she kind of goes into and it's almost straight into it the thing that I kind of like is because this is the third film in this franchise, there's almost kind of no need for the exposition. We know instantly what's going on. When she walks into the house um, and she sees the little girl singing the song, playing jump rope and doing all of this kind of iconic stuff that's been established in the first one and two. Um, and then when they, you know she goes into the house and she, she sees the little girl and the little, you know, the little girl says he's coming... And then we get Freddy. Um, and it, I, feel, I just love the way it starts off. And she's running through this kind of house, which is almost has this haunted house feeling to it. You know, she goes into, I think she she's running with the little girl and then, the, it, you know, the floor turns into blood at one point. And then she, you know, she escapes, you know, we get a, a slight hint of Freddy. We hear his laugh. And then she goes into another room and there's all of the hanging corpses and oh, then the body, she's got the skeleton. It's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, I mean, th- just straight off the bat, this film, this film makes itself clear so clearly. Like its vision, it it looks like it looks like horror art brought to life. Yeah, it literally it is does. Like, con- like it's it where you could be like, I bet they showed the concept art, and this actually looks like what the concept art. You see a lot of films, and a lot of films show the concept art. You're like, wow, that was kind of. The original idea was much grander than what you actually end up with sometimes on screen. Whereas this one yeah. is just like that is that is like a beautiful piece. Those hanging bodies with the weird kind of eerie, like there's the kind of like a never ending kind of backdrop to the sides of it. Yeah. With lights and stuff, which is just it's it's so incredible. Like the, the this film, the special effects in this film are just outstanding. Like literally yeah, like, there are so many we're gonna talk about. But, but straight from the get-go, that seat, you've got that, and then obviously that's followed by her looking down at the girl, isn't it? She hears the voice yes. of the little girl. She looks down, and the body is charred, like one of Freddy's young victims or something like that, like yeah. that kind of thing. It, it's, it's such so... an effective scene. Yeah, and then I love that, you know, when she jumps and she wakes up, uh, or we've, you know, we think she wakes up. She then goes into the bathroom, um, and as she, when she runs the, you know, when she runs the tap, it grabs her. And then the, and then the other tap forms into Freddy's claw, it, and that's what I mean. Where this film shows the kind of creativeness that we can have with the dream sequences. And one thing that I I love about you know Nightmare on Elm Street is that it it can it sometimes blurs the lines between. When when's the character asleep and when is when are they awake? And particularly yeah. with you know we get this kind of 
opening in this house with the hanging bodies and being chased by Freddy. And then we're kind of lulled into a little bit of a false sense of security where, okay, she's awake. And then all of a sudden it's another dream. Um, and, you know, and her mum comes in, she's cutting her arms, uh, which obviously not only it does it kind of um, set up the, you know, the rest of the story because you, then she's taken to the psych ward. Yeah. But it does it in such a way which kind of plays with the already established themes and already established kind of stuff in the other two that it's almost like it, you know, it, it's not the start of the film in a strange way, you know? Within five minutes, we're introduced to, um, you know, uh, Kristen, we're introduced to already established character Freddy Krueger in the dream world and then we're already straight into the cycle because we have a reason for her being there instead of like a long kind of drawn out reason so it kind of moves it at quite a, a hefty pace but it's pretty good um, Absolutely Yeah, the, I mean and, and then obviously you said about it kind of setting up kind of like the plot of the like the, the the beginning of the plot of this film, or at least the the kind of setting of the film, and, and this is a, this is another thing that I absolutely love about this film is uh, the fact that it, it it's not scared of going a little bit darker and kind of digging a little bit deeper into kind of problems in the world kind of thing and and problems that people deal with all of the time, like. Um, obviously it twists it a little bit because the reason that we have all these characters which are all kind of on the psych ward and are high risk and worried of things like suicide and things like that is because of Freddie and the sleep deprivation that they've had. But it's yeah. the fact that it approaches it, it approaches something like suicide when it weirdly, it, it, it works perfectly for this franchise, the idea, the way that they play the characters like that. It just is such a, it's such a good idea. Yeah. And I love that, it, you know, it's the implication that the characters are already kind of haunted by Freddy Krueger. So, you yeah. know, usually for the, I mean, the first kind of Nightmare on Elm Street teases the idea, doesn't it? Where, you know, Nancy says she has, has the dream, but I think it's implied that it's the first time she has the dream. Um, and then she tells, um, Tina um, about her dream and then Johnny Depp, Glenn is like, and he's got these this glove or something like that, so it teases the idea that this is something that's happening to them all, but in this it's almost as if they've all had something which has led them to be institutionalised and they've got to the point where they're whipped into frenzy and they're almost ripe for the picking, you know, the, the fear level is so high. Um, and the characters that we get, you know, obviously Nancy returns, um, but then we get, you know, we get Philip, who's the sleepwalker. We get Kincaid, who's like, you know, who's the tough guy and just kind yeah. of has this violent outburst. We get Jennifer, who's the, you know, the hopeful um, actress. Um we get uh, Will, I think his name is, who's the wheelchair dude, the wizard master, who's obviously had a suicide attempt. Uh, we get Taryn, who, um, if you went all the way back to our first episode of In Memoriam characters, We Don't Want to Die, she was one of my picks and 
this was the yeah. first time we discussed <laughs> this film. Um, and then we get Joey, who's, you know, who's too traumatized to speak, but is also an absolute horn dog. Um, and I kind of <laughs> love Joey, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and it's kind of, you know, I mean, we we get introduced quite quickly to it. So when Kirsten's in the, uh, you know, in kind of first institutionalised and they're trying to sedate her and she starts singing the nursery rhyme, I think we get Nancy a little bit before then uh, when she meets the doctor. Um, but then uh, we kind of have this... I, we, I think that, isn't that, that is when we first meet Nancy, isn't it? Because I think it talk, is. They talk at... They talk about oh, some they... young hotshot, like oh, yeah, even that's I, I'd forgot the link there. I'd forgot who I'd forgot who it was actually. So when they were talking about, he's talking like, oh, this young, like I don't want him coming in, changing our ways. I know these kids. You can't. And, yeah. And and then Nancy kind of comes in and just like basically yeah, that... like straight away just proves him wrong. Like, look, I yeah, sorry, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> she comes in there, doesn't she? Yeah. Uh, and then I I think they are. Uh, I think then they they have the uh, is that when they have the the first kind of group therapy session. I like I really like the group therapy sessions in this kind in this film. Um, I really like yeah. it as a way to kind of introduce characters and and there, there's the the one bin I can't remember her name who's the the kind of matriarch of the ward. She she reminds me of Marion Crane from. Uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. You know, yeah. it's very clear she's supposed to be like that. Um, and I, I, I like the group therapy sessions that we get, where we get to flesh out the characters a little bit. They have a bit of back and forth with each other. Yeah, this is this is one good one good thing is you you get a, a good sense of each of the characters. You, you, you yeah. know what they're like, but you also the the difference I think here is we also get to know really well their vulnerabilities. Which is obviously prime for Freddy because that's what he's going to play into. But yeah. it's, a, it's a nice, it's a nice idea that we get to know their vulnerabilities. We also get to know what they're like outside of the dream world, and it becomes a strong part of the characters once we know what they're like inside the dream world. Like, say, Taron gets a great arc in terms of what yeah. he's inside and outside of the dream world. Yeah, um, and like you said, I think when we when we're introduced to these characters and we find out what the kind of uh, what the kind of weaknesses are, and what they're what they're into, and how they are, I think this is this is when the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise handles it really well um, because each of these characters we find out kind of what their obsessions are and what kind and how they work and what kind of defines them, which is kind of always it has the irony of playing into their deaths. However, I find that as we kind of get further into the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, it just becomes, this is this character and this is who they are. I think in Dream, yeah. in Dream Master, the one after this, I think it, it still works a little bit. You know, we have the, we have the asthmatic uh, girl and we have the girl who's into fitness. So they kind of work. But, I think the worst one for me is, you know, the comic book guy, the guy who loves comic books. And it's kind of oh, all yeah, he is. Yeah. And then he goes that. And then there's the guy, the deaf guy, Freddie kills him with the chalkboard. And, you know, the deaf start to turn away for me. After this film, they turn away from, 
using these characters' fears and traits against them in a terrifying way to just being kind of like punchlines almost. Like, oh yeah, this is when, after this film, I think you start to turn around and be like, actually, I'm kind of rooting for Freddy because he kills people in funny ways. So I'm kind of... Yeah, yeah. I I think this is... I think this is the film which, as you mentioned, it really is that major turning point for the franchise. But I think this is the film where I like the balance. I like the little bit of the quips. We get an occasional little yeah. quip in this film. We get him in some different varied forms. We get different costumes and we get him appearing as different kind of creatures. And that's, that's all cool. I think that all works perfectly with the whole dream nightmare sequence idea that was in the original film. Um, yeah. We get a lot more opportunities here. Um, I do think that, that is a, it's a downfall of the franchise. Some people, they know Freddy because they know him as this funny killer character. And yeah, yeah. I prefer him as this. I prefer him as, I don't think he's scary anymore after this film. No. I think this is the last time that he is somewhat scary. What he does to them in this film is kind of what still remains to keep him scary. Just like in the original like he's a bit more in the shadows, but what he does to them is scary. After this film, I think it is a major turning point where they go, hey, in, in Dream Warriors, he was a little bit funny, more funny, wasn't he? Yes, we, yeah. should make him, we should make him more funny. We should give him more quips and more lines. And yeah, I, 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 you know, and I just think it's what went wrong with this franchise. This film, if they were going to say, you know, a whole requel thing that was mentioned earlier, if they're going to do a, not necessarily a requel because the legacy is going to be a hard one to do after this film. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean, that original legacy is a bit hard to do. But at the same time, if they're going to bring back Freddy, and obviously I know that Robert England doesn't really want to do it anymore. I think he's done. He's, he's old enough now that he's like, fuck that, I'm not doing all yeah. that. Um, so we'd have to find a different way to do it. People are going to have to accept that it's not Robert Englund if we want any more Nightmare on Street. But this film is the perfect template for what it should be. Not the original film, this film. For what a yeah, modern no, day nightmare film should be. It's not like the remake, which just tried to make it darker. It's not that. It's make it more creative and interesting. Not Freddy can still be that scary, darker character, but make him inventive and imaginative. Well, I mean, if we go to the first death in this yeah. film, um, which is it's, it's, it's amazing, but it's terrifying. It is, and yeah. that is Philip the sleepwalker, you know. Um, so they have this kind of, at the group therapy, they talk about who's got to die, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, and then, you know, if I'm, I'm trying to remember if, um, if, he's, if he's the one who has, is on shift with Joey and says, you know, no, that's uh, Will. I think no, Kincaid yeah. is... Kincaid's in the room with uh, Philip. Yeah, Kincaid is um, with Philip. And then, you know, um, so Philip is introduced as, you know, this character who sleepwalks, but he's also kind of, create, you know, carves things, and makes puppets, but they weren't allowed to have them. Um, and then, obviously, Freddy appears as a puppet, and then... That's so forms- cool. It's when awesome, he, isn't it? The so. clay turns into Freddy, and he just looks again. It looks so, so detailed and so real. The the, the special effects on that puppet alone, 
yeah. him moving around and cutting himself off of the strings and pull it, you know, into his little, and then growing into Freddy. It's, yeah, it's awesome. It's 1987, but it looks just as good as if you'd CGI'd it nowadays. I think. Yeah. I think it still stands up perfectly. And then when he kind of cuts, you know, cuts into Philip, um, oh, it's then, so brutal that bit. That it's bit brutal. Like, it looks so, it looks so real. It, it's an interesting one of where he cuts him in the dream and makes that happen, but that doesn't actually appear in the real world. So no, on the outside, in the real world, he doesn't, which is an is a, is a strange exception to some of his normal, especially establishing the original, where if he yeah. cut you in there, it would appear. Whereas this time, he cuts it out open and he pulls out at his it's his muscles isn't it it's his muscles i think it's, it's like his, his veins or much, like yeah, tendons yeah um and pulls them out out of his arms and his legs and you see oh, them kind so of gross. tear up so it, it, it's both brutally graphic and it's weird it's you're there like you're terrified that like the idea that someone could control you but he could yeah, have that's told it. him like like Nightmare on Elm Street 2, he could have just been a possession thing where he goes inside of his body or something. But instead, no, it's a literal, I'm going to use your love of puppets, I'm going to turn you into the puppet. Yeah, and then when, you know, it's it's horrid just seeing him yank on his tendons and now he's walking, you know, he's walking out and then he takes him to the, you know, the high building. But I think it's also that... Um, Joey is the one who spots it, isn't it? Because he's making sure that Will's asleep. Um, yeah. And then Joey being mute can't alert people. So he's, you know, he wakes Will up and then makes Will watch. And then he, you know, he goes, he gets the, uh, he gets the train. He's clanging people's cells, um, rooms, whatever we call them. Um, and then it's, the, it's that all of, yeah, rooms. It's that all of the main characters. And I believe Larry Fishburne um, at the time, um, I believe his character is also watching yet. So, and they kind of, you know, they believe that Philip's jumping, don't they? Because um, I don't think they can see Freddy. But it's this idea that they're being forced to watch one of their own be killed, and they yeah. know that it's go. It's only a matter of time until it happens to one of them. And it's this kind of horror that, and this, in a way, this kind of black humor that Freddy has, forcing them you know, to watch because they're powerless to help him. Philip is powerless to stop himself, you know? Um, and it's just, it's such a amazing death. I think it's, yeah, it's probably the, my, I would probably say it's my favorite death in the, in, in this film. Um, cause it's so good. Um, probably, yeah, it might, it might well be one of my favorite in the entire franchise, to be honest. It is yeah. so creative. It, it, it's scary in the way that someone could be controlled like that. It's visually, again, visual effects on all points are fantastic, including the bit that could have looked really cheesy, but doesn't. The bit where you get, and it shows how powerful Freddy can be when you've got the, when you've got Philip standing just about to fall off of the leg. Yeah. And you get the shot of Freddy and his hand over the top, you know, with the, yeah. and then you see him slice the strings and he, Philip just falls. Like that shot could have looked really cheap, but it shows how good these special effects artists in this film have concentrated. And I did hear that most of the budget was spent on special effects for this film, and it shows. Yeah, it but shows. I mean, look, 
we were talking about some of the amazing special effects. And there's a scene earlier where uh, Kristen is being chased and it establishes that Kristen is able to summon people into her dreams. And it's it's the Freddy snake, you know, that giant yeah. worm-like snake that bursts through the... Uh, Burst through the mirror. Oh, yeah, I forgot. It comes, it comes back later, doesn't it? She sees it earlier, but it comes back later as well, doesn't it? That, yeah, that but it starts swallowing her. It starts swallowing Kristen, which is when she summons Nancy into the dream. And it's like yeah. you said, it's just this, it's such an amazing kind of thing of special effects where it looks but, gross and looks slimy, you know? But, but that concept, I know the whole idea she can summon people into her, like, okay, that, 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 that's kind of taken it a little bit like next level in a way. But the idea that you could be in control in your own dreams and you could be who you want to be and that's how you could defeat Freddy. I love that idea that. That's that's one of the concepts in this film that is such a good idea that they can they can overcome their fear and they can use yeah. their brains and their imagination and they could become something that could defeat. Yes, it doesn't always work. He is more powerful than them, but the idea that they can do that and also the fact that yes, it takes the franchise into kind of like when we've got Friday the Thirteenth when we had the you know the uh, um, you know the whole kind of carry kind of thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, but the problem the problem was this idea with Kirsten makes total sense in terms of the whole idea of the thing, whereas the Jason one yeah. didn't. It was interesting, I mean, supernatural into a film that has supernatural but didn't really need it, whereas this works perfectly and isn't overdone either. It's not too in your face about it that she has these powers. No. And I guess you could just say it's a, you know, it's lucid dreaming, isn't it? You know, it's being able to control what you do in your dreams. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think you, you know, you, you've got a valid point in that. But I think because it handles it well, whereas in the later films it becomes more comedy, uh, the way in which they're dealing with it. You know, um, some of yeah, some of this aspect is kind of you know slightly larger than life i guess we would say and is yeah. and is a bit over the top um all of it apart from king kate i find that the funniest thing to jump forward a little bit when they all you know they have the group hypnotherapy and they do it um you know joey um uh, joey goes off to try and lay pipe which fair play you know <laughs> your horn dog um will stands up uh you know Taryn kind of has a complete makeover you know, in my dreams, I'm, I'm beautiful and bad. Um, and then Kincaid is just like, I'm going to bend a chair. You know, he's just like, <laughs> I'm strong. <laughs> and, it's, and he doesn't like bend it easily. He has to like force it. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. It's not, it doesn't look like a, a seamless transition. He is literally like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're all sat there going, I feel like maybe if I tried, I could do that. <laughs> I'd be like, like I super. Like I could bend that chair. Like, I don't feel like that, that's completely... Like, <laughs> you could have literally... You could have broken down a door or you could have snapped something completely in half but instead you just bend two legs on a chair. <laughs> slowly bend two legs on a yeah, chair. slowly. Yeah, it's just really fun. Um, um, we, get, we get the next... Because that's obviously uh, when they start to build into the idea and they start to listen a little bit more when, when the doctors start to listen. And, and what's the name of the... Um, We've got Nancy, but then what's the name of the doctor that starts Dr. to help? Dr. Gordon, I think his name is. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Gordon. Dr. Gordon. 
So yeah, that's kind of when Doctor Gordon gets along with it, but that doesn't really happen until after Jennifer's death. They need another yeah. death to prompt them to um Which to is have a yeah, go. again another because... kind of iconic death, you know. Oh absolutely. It, it, I'll let you got, sell this one. It's got an iconic quip to go the river in everything, a classic line. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um because obviously Doctor Gordon he starts to come around and the staff aren't listening and um and um, Nancy wants them to go on the um, hypno... Hypnosil. Hypnosil, that's the one. Hypnosil. And it's funny because hit, I remember Hypnosil from Freddy vs. Jason. That's what they use in that. Yeah, so yeah I, did, I, I did. And when I, I was watching I, I this I've heard back, it before. I was trying to remember yeah. which film it came from. It, it was yeah. only when I watched this back, I was like, oh, shit, it actually is in, uh, is in Dream Warriors. Which I thought was quite a cool little callback, um, kind of in retrospect. Yeah. So just before the group, when they try to try their first technique, before they get to their hypnosis, um, <laughs> we get Jennifer, and obviously, um, obviously the the woman in charge. I'm just going to go with woman in charge. She's uh, she said that they basically that they're going to force them to basically stay in their rooms and basically going to drug them to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, you got you got old Larry Fishburne who played, yeah. he played a smaller role in this film than I thought. For some reason, I remembered him being more in it. I remember him being in. I remember him being in less. Oh really? I, I, I thought he was only had a couple of lines. No, he's yeah, got a few I, scenes. I, yeah, I, I just thought he had a bit more to do with the plot. I thought he was more integral, but no, he's just kind of he is just that side character. Um, he's talking to Jennifer because she's. Saying she wants to stay up to because she can't, she, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to be near the bed and stuff like. She doesn't want to be locked up in a night after Philip's death and stuff like that. Yeah. So he's 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 kind of kind to them and he kind of okay, yeah, that's all right, that's that's fine. And let's just stay up watching TV. You get an ad, you get a, a TV host part, don't you? With a, if yeah. I believe the name of, I meant to look this up because I was wondering who the actress was. Um, because there's an actress, I think he's a fairly known one, which obviously turns into Freddie, who basically tells her, like, who gives a fuck about what you're talking about. Yeah, I love act. that. Because, um, yeah, again, it's like, when it's when does when when does she fall asleep, you know? Yeah. It's like, what is the barrier point? from dreaming yeah. to being alive? Because it is you just kind of happens, doesn't it? drifting while she's yeah. listening to it. But, yeah, and then... It's so good. You start to get the head start to grow out of the TV set. And it's just yeah. that head going through where it kind of looks like he's been covered in some kind of like cellophane wrap or something. He's got like yeah. a layer over him. <laughs> it kind of grows because you can tell, you can kind of tell it goes from like a puppet head into his real head where they've yeah. had to wrap that around. And then Obviously, she goes out and she kind of goes towards, but then the giant arms, the robotic arms come out the side. Yeah. It's like a scary version of Ace Ventura being born from the rhino, you know? (laughs) It's like a horrible version of that. Robert Englund's not in the script improv line, which is a fucking classic of a line. Really? I didn't know. Yeah, it's an improvised line. It wasn't in the script. Really? Yeah, the welcome to prime time, bitch. It wasn't in the script. Robert Englund made it up on the while they were filming different takes of the scene and stuff. Like I've that seen behind so cool. the scenes on that as well. I, I remember seeing a shot behind the scenes where it's literally like she had to be attached to kind of like a 
like a railing where it was kind of moved backwards and forwards. So when her head yeah. went into it, they kind of had to like push her forward to kind of go into it. And so they could shoot it again, kind of like her head would come back out and back into it. And they had to like replace the glass. And so yeah. that, it's a really interesting shot, but it's such, it's, again, it's such, it's a, mem- this film is full of memorable deaths. And that's it. I think because the deaths kind of go and from creative. the, yeah, they become a bit more creative and a bit more visual. I mean, obviously we have like um, Tina's death, which is incredible, iconic, um, and Glenn's death. Which I mean, all of the deaths in the first one are amazing, um, and and in the second one we do get some, some great bits. Um, but I think it's more that the, they become more elaborate, almost, you know, yeah. and they become like more of a spectacle as opposed to being a bit more grounded in reality, like when, like, you know, just sinking into the bed, whilst it looks amazing, you know, he is just going into a sinkhole. Um, yeah. Whereas this, these are more elaborate. And I think, it worked, it, yeah, it's such a good part for the It worked perfectly again. for the original film, because the original film yeah. had to introduce a villain and it had to make it darker, but the original film was also, and, and this is another problem that the franchise goes into, Freddy is very much the creature haunting them in their nightmares, and he is a background character. He yeah. is not the main star, which he becomes later in the franchise, where it's basically how, much, how often can we get Freddy on the screen? In the original film, he is a background. He only appears on those parts when they're going to die, and he's, he's not in actually that many scenes until about the end. Apart yeah. from that, he's in only in shots and stuff like that. You don't actually see too much. In this one, no. he is in it more, but he still is a, a side character to Kirsten and all of the Dream Warriors. He is still kind of that. He gets lots of elaborate bits, and yes, he still pops up quite a bit. But I, I, I remember in later sequels, it, it, it's, like the, it's like the Jack Sparrow effect in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. A character that worked better when he was the, the, the side figure is then pushed further and further to the front. And therefore, they have to come up with more and more lines for him to say and more things for him to do. And it wears too thin. Yeah. Now, I think that's precisely what happens with yeah. Freddy, the more it goes on, the more you're like, all right, fucking hell, we, what are you got to do now, we, man? We don't need, we didn't need more. For, and in this film, again, I've, I've said about that balance. I think this film has that perfect balance with Freddy. And again, it's meant to be, it's meant to be your dream. It's meant to be your imagination and your imagination could go anywhere. So uh, why shouldn't Freddy go into these weird and wonderful kind of places? Everyone should be able to be memorable. And, and that's what more of the nightmare films if they go from here need to do they need to think about how far could special effects in your mind kind of take it without taking it too far and only keeping freddy to small parts because the longer you drag out some of these amazing set pieces the worse they become these ones work because they're only a couple of minutes a piece they might feel like they're longer but like like that tv one there's only about a minute the scene's only about a minute long because it's not long and drawn out. You could yeah. have done more. If it was one of the sequels, you probably would have had, you would probably would have had Freddie chatting for about another minute or two before she bloody died. You know what I mean? Probably, Instead yeah. of, welcome to primetime, bitch, and slap, done. Worked so perfectly. good. You know, that one is more of a, 
a glamorous one, though, I guess. The, the, the last one was scary. I wouldn't say yeah. this one's necessarily scary. It is a bit more of that where Freddy goes in the sequels, a little bit more glamorous kind of look at this kind of look at what we can do. Look how funny I can be. But it worked. That, that's fine. There's like a one or two yeah. deaths. But in the sequels, it becomes every death is about that line, about that joke, not just the occasional one. And therefore, yeah. all of anything scary about Freddy was destroyed after that. Yeah. Well, I mean, most, I think most of the Dream Warriors in this, after the deaths, they do get a line. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think because obviously they, you know, they do the they do the group uh, hypnotherapy session, and then that's when Joey sneaks off to lay pipe with that woman. Because um, they all then, fall asleep. Yeah, they all fall asleep, they and then get, that, they, yeah, they don't notice. Um, and then obviously they have the scene where, and that's a cool scene as well when you know he kisses her, and then the mouths kind of stick together. Um, and she kind of latches him onto the bed um, and kind of keeps him there. I think that's a really cool scene. Um, yeah, no, just yeah. Just to kind We're of... Yeah. down by all of those. But no, the best part of that scene is when the bed drops. So you've got oh, the, yeah. the fiery pit below. You've got, yeah. again, a cool special effect of the tongue that holds him in place while the fiery pit's below. And I think it's implied that the fiery pit starts to like burn his back kind of thing like he's burning yeah. like, the, like the hog roast <laughs> yeah the hog roast it's so good man um, um and every, everyone else is in the this, isn't this because they're all asleep and stuff is this not I what do we do we see what they did this is the bit i can't i'm now blanking on do we get is this the first time that they all get to talk about because they're all asleep together yeah because they don't realize that they're all asleep do they no they don't they um, think they're all in until... an argument about getting out of the room and then suddenly they yeah. realise, oh shit, we are all asleep right now. What's it's going not on? until that thing with the balls. Um, <laughs> thing oh yeah, the balls. The balls it's not until, yeah, not until the balls start flying around the room. Um, read into and... that what you will. <laughs> that they then realise maybe we're dreaming and then Will's like, you know what, fuck this man, he stands up. Um, yeah, and we and can then... create this world. Yeah, then Kristen does like some backflips. Taryn's like, I'm, you know, in my dreams, I'm, I'm beautiful and bad. And then Kincaid's like, hell yeah. And he just slowly bends the chair. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, it's like 20 seconds that people are just watching him bend this chair. And it's like, okay. So, like, you're, you're, you're stronger you're strong. in your dream. <laughs> you're stronger. You're not like, so, like, you surely you'd be like, I want to be like Superman strength as opposed to being like, I just slowly bed to chair, you know? Um, but I love it. And then, um, and then I think as Joey wanders off, the woken up by uh, Nurse Bin, I can't remember her name. Um, and I think that's when Joey gets kind of stays in this comatose, you know, yeah. moment. Um, and, and Nancy, um, Nancy reveals that they that she believes, based on the link to their family, that they're the last of the Elm Street kids. Yeah, and I think you know they obviously chucked in the last of the Elm Street kids as I think a way to kind of, you know probably link Wes Craven as a way to be like not only to link it but to say this is the end, you know, because it's the last of the Elm Street kids. Yeah, this one definitely. Yeah, it it, it it's what it's another thing I actually quite like is that. 
it does take some of those turns. It gives us a few of those, you know, final part in a trilogy twists where it's got some ideas to wrap things up and wrap up ideas and it ends ideas that began in the original film, you know, and it, I, I, I like the fact that this one does kind of feel like if they'd ended it here, that could have been it. That would have worked. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know I mean, um, there's a little hint at the end of whatever, but for the most part, this kind of feels like it could have been the end because they bring in some interesting idea. Last of the Elm Street kids. Then we have the nun that appears to um, Dr. Gordon. Yeah. Who Sister tells him. Mary? Sister, yeah. Who, well, who we find out is actually Freddy Krueger's mum. Freddy mum. Who was, who was brutally. Um, who was, well, she it, It's an she's odd locked. backstory. She was locked in. She was locked in the mental facility or the, the whatever it was, or the prison or whatever it was at the time. She was yeah. locked inside over the weekend or week there away or something and basically was like raped by every single inmate and yeah, got pregnant with Freddy. It's the bastard son of a hundred maniacs, isn't it? I know because yeah. they flesh that out in the Dream Master or the Dream Child or something like that. There's actually a scene where a character kind of sees her being locked in. It is, it is quite a disturbing scene, to be honest. Um, but it's, it's that idea. idea. Of, yeah, it's a disturbing idea. It's a idea. weird one, but it's disturbing. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I don't, but how you lock yeah. someone into that kind of place and she's still like, and she's still actually near any of those people is a bit like, okay. But <laughs> Well, the later, when it's fleshed out later, because I think like she goes, she's mate doing the rounds or something. And one of the nurses thinks that she's the last one in and, and that Freddie's mum has already left. So they lock her in um, thinking that, you know, she's done and she's yeah. finished. Um, but, you know, and it, to be fair, like, not quite to that level, but um, you know, I've had we had somebody at work, one of my colleagues, who um, they <laughs> went they went to the toilet uh, to just before they got just before they went, and the cleaners um, who came in when you know when we'd all work, finished working, they thought that she'd left, so they locked her in our office, but not just in our office, they locked her in like the airlock. So, and she and she was there until like probably like nine ten. So though there weren't a hundred maniacs in there, and she was locked <laughs> in a weekend. I mean, she, she had a mobile, so she could ring somebody to come and get her. But back yeah. in the forties, whatever, you know, maybe, no, yeah. maybe not, not quite the same thing. But yeah, I, no, I can see, I can see how it would happen. Um, it's just mad that she was like locked in in the same area as all those people that she'd be so you know, nearby them, yeah. she could even go. But I, 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 don't, I don't dislike it. I, I think it adds a bit of flesh to the character, and it also yeah. gives us a, a way that we believe that we can kill Freddy Krueger because she reveals that he needs to be buried somewhere of, like, holy ground or something like that. He needs to be yeah. buried, you know, or away from holy ground or whatever it was. Um, I think he needs to be buried or consecrated ground. But like, he needs to have a proper burial. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of like a, he's a ghost say, or he's a revenant, you know. So it's not really holy ground because it turns out to be a, they're doing it in the middle of a bloody scrapyard. <laughs> that's, not yeah. exact, that's not exactly holy ground. 
No, but they, uh, they use they use holy water, don't they? I think they do. So, and, yeah, yeah. So apparently that makes it holy ground, you know. But just first, they need to find Freddy's remains, and that's where John Saxon returns as uh, <laughs> what's his name, um, Donald. Nancy, uh, what's her last name? I was going to say Loomis, but that's the actress out of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Fucking, blank, uh, Nancy, Thompson. 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 Nancy Thompson. Thompson. Donald Thompson. Nancy Thompson. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Thompson. You know, so, and John Saxon. What do you reckon? Sexual man? I'd say pretty. Yeah, pretty sexual man. <laughs> yeah. I'd, uh, I, I'd imagine so. He's, he's to many ladies. I'm sure he was seen as a sexual piece of ass in this film. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, he comes back as like this kind of drunkard. I like the way that he's no longer like the town police. He's like a security. Um, and yeah, he kind of says that you know, you can see that he's got like a strenuous relationship with with Nancy now. Um, I think you know, I think it's it, like you said, if this had been the end of the franchise, and it was just a trilogy. It does it kind of wraps things up relatively nicely, I think, because we do you know we have obviously uh, Nancy's mum died at the end of the first one. Uh, and you know we're kind of introduced. We we have you know Donald uh, coming back. So I kind of you know I get that if this was the end, if this was you know the the end of a trilogy, I get that it would kind of work. Um, but I could never remember how he ends up, even though I watched it like <laughs> last night or the yeah. night before. I could, I still can never remember how he ends up telling him where the body is because. At first, he's like, no, I'm not going to tell you. And then I think the doctor then just... Then he like, tries to beat him. <laughs> yeah, he tries, to beat him, tries in, to beat him. In a pub or a bar. Um, but I can never remember how he gets him to agree to it because when they do get to the scrapyard, he tries to drive away. So he's kind of like... Yeah. Reverse to this absolute kind of chicken character, you know, who just wants to get get away from whatever he's I done. Think, yeah, I think it's implied he's kind of become like a bit of a drunk after his wife is dead and like he's kind of just yeah. like, after what they did when they were obviously young, younger parents and stuff like that to Freddy yeah. and stuff like that, I think it's meant to be implied it's taken its toll. It's not perfectly handled. It doesn't it doesn't make it as clear maybe as it could have his like, how he's been affected throughout the years because he doesn't seem that different. Um, yeah, I guess it's because of the passage of time. It's, it's only five years between the original film and this one. So technically, Nancy was like seventeen in the original. She's like twenty-two here, which again, like she did seem way too young to me to be in this kind of position where she's like. Well, I think they say that, they say that she's a college student, don't they? Or she's a graduate. I think student. she's a graduate, but she was like of an honors. Like people were talking about her studies yeah. in a way. So she's seen as like a you know a, a hot she's a hot she's a hot figure in the uh, cyclone in the dream world, world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well I guess if you're able she's to so hot right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> that Nancy's so hot right now I guess if you're able to go into a dream world and be and kill a dream pedophile you're probably got to be like okay I'm pr- I'm a pretty hot deal now you know what I mean you're probably <laughs> got to start I mean, pursuing I- that aren't. I mean, I feel like I assume she hasn't got around. 
she hasn't got that far by saying, yeah, I killed a paedophile <laughs> in my dreams. Yeah, I, I, I killed a paedophile in my dreams. But, you know, she's probably like, ah, oh, you know, That's like me I know saying, about the dreams. I won an Oscar in my dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <me the> Oscar. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I want to make I want to I want to make some kind of joke about Prince Andrew now, but I can't. but but my brain isn't working. So just imagine that I made a a very witty joke about Prince Andrew coming for people in his dreams. Um, but and then because um, yeah, because yeah. that's it. Like once um, once we find out that uh, you know. Um, Dr. Gordon's trying to get Nancy's dad to come around. I think Chris, uh, Nancy finds out that Kristen has been sedated. Um, yeah. And it then they have the, it. yeah, then they have the second round of the group therapy where they try, where they go and confront uh, Freddie, which is kind of where we move into Act 3. Um, and then as they kind of go into this dream world, it starts to kind of cave in on them. And, it, and it, it's like this. It's almost like the inside of a furnace. They're surrounded by this yeah. kind of metal, and then they get separated, and then we get, you know, um, Taron's death, which you know is for me. I always thought that Taron, you know, is kind of it was a really interesting character. You know, she's this kind of um, recovering addict. Uh, I always feel like there's an element of abuse in there because there's one of the one of the orderlies who's always trying to get her to get high. Uh, with him, so yeah, yeah, I no, yeah, he definitely gives off that kind of that kind of feeling, and I, I definitely felt, I felt, I definitely think that in the few scenes that she's in, like even the actress alone, I think the actress is really good in these scenes. Um, she yeah. really pulls off that kind of vulnerability of Taryn with her, you know, with her past, and you really feel for it. And even those small scenes with that, say that orderly. That gives you a bigger yeah. sense that you feel like she's kind of been pushed into certain things and, you know, that she's trying to do better. She's trying really hard, which kind of makes it all the sadder that Freddie is able to. So there's a real kind of vulnerability and a sadness that comes with this kind of badass, kick-ass kind of yeah. moment that she has. And I think her and Will, uh, kind of obsessively enough, I think her and Will are the first two to volunteer to go and save, uh, you know, uh, Kristen yeah. and Jeremy. Um and they're obviously they're the, the bravest in the bunch, I think. <laughs> definitely, you know. Seeing as how King Cade is like wants to spark everybody out and is really strong in his dreams. Like yeah. he's the last one to volunteer. Um, yeah. But, Will and Will and Taron are the, definitely they're they're, they're they're the strongest. They also in their dreams what they want to be, they're the ones that get the biggest transformations. So yeah. It's just sad that they pretty much die together and they die, you know, there's like the first off once they get into this dream world we get we get will who obviously freddie freddie goes on about his like you know the fact that he'll be back in that chair before he knows it kind of thing and yeah. um and you know he he's often a pretty does he just does he just keep so he uh he try he, you know he hits him with this kind of i mean he dies after Taron, but he hits Will with this kind of wheelchair uh, with loads of spikes on it and stuff. And then as it comes round, Will says, you know, that he's the dream master, that he's the, uh, he's the wizard master. And then he yeah. kind of lightnings it down. Um, and then he says some, something about how he's like Lord of the Elves. And he starts zapping Freddy, you know, thinking he's won. And then Freddy says, sorry, kid, I don't believe in uh, fairy tales. And picks him up and just stabs him in the heart. It's kind of I thought it was. It, yeah. I, 
yeah, I always kind of wince at it a little bit because Will is so kind of sweet. And, you know, he is such like, especially compared to the rest of the cast, he is the one who looks the youngest and looks kind of like the most fragile. Um, yeah. You know, he's because he's this kind of scrawny, Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> this scrawny little young man, young boy, you know. So it's always yeah. a bit like, oh, you know. Um, he's he's the biggest one into this kind of because he's got that kind of fantasy kind of imagination. He does lean in in like the perfect way that you think of, like where you're like, yes, I've got powers, right? I'm going to use my imagination that I've got for Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm going to take yeah. this and I'm going to bring this into reality. So he kind of gets to achieve a dream, I'd imagine, in his like that we kind of see because he's a, a bit like really into it. But at the same time, it kind of sadly it just doesn't work. He's he's just not nearly got enough power. <laughs> compared no. to Freddy, like you can do yeah he can stop something but he hasn't got nearly enough once freddy's gone he's fucked but it's yeah not as, it's quite good but it, it, it it's not the strongest of deaths in the film and it's not as good as taron's death no i think i mean i mean i spoke oh, about I it in, yeah i spoke about it in, um, you know in memoriam uh, but it is you know it, just to kind of recap it, you know, she's she's kind of in this. Uh, it, it, it's supposed to be implied that she's kind of in this back alley that, you know, she's kind of used to being in from scoring and that kind of stuff. And there's this old man who kind of walks past her. Um, and then Freddie comes out and they kind of have this quick kind of, uh, you know, quick kind of fight as she stabs Freddie up. Um, and then it, I think the, the, the grim figure seeing you know, seeing his kind of fingers turn into uh into syringes, you know, uh yeah. is just kind of I think naturally syringes kind of make me squirm a little bit. So seeing that, seeing them filled with this kind of blue liquid and then seeing the track marks on Heron, you know, on uh Tavins. That's the worst bit, the little the little puckering like yeah. for it. They're all like little mouths like Come on, feed me, feed me. Yeah, like, it's oh, so oh. gross. There's something gross, really gross about those little puckering lips. <laughs> yeah, it's so horrid. And then, obviously, he just injects her and kind of kills her. Um, and it is, you know, it, it it's an upsetting death. I always, you know, always get my heart broken at that one. Yeah, um, I wish we had more of Taryn, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I so do I. I kind of wish her character survived, and I wish she got a little bit more of an action in that scene, actually. Because she kind of shows up in things. I know, like... Um, I'm pretty sure the actress actually she she uh, actually stabbed Robert Englund. Oh, damn. <laughs> so while they were like filming it and things like that, where she's meant to go at him with the knife, she actually partially stabbed Robert Englund. Damn. So it, it was it was likely meant to be like a prop knife and things like that, but sometimes they swap them out for real things in certain shots, and I think it was a bit of a mix-up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, sad, but yeah, there you go. In real life, she got Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she actually she, she killed him. <laughs> um, and then, then where do we go after that? We tried, well, they we find the, Joey, don't they? We've got the graveyard, and I think we are at the graveyard now, and we've got them trying to bury the bones, and obviously Freddy yeah. catches on to that and realises that's when you start to get all the lights in the in the, in the other cars are going off, and he's yeah. trying his hardest to stop it. And at the same time, they, they rescue Joey, but... But Freddy's taken too many souls at that point. It's implied that he's too powerful. And it's really cool because that's, I think this is the first time 
um, in the franchise where we see the souls in Freddy's body. We see the faces kind of calling out that kind of stuff. And it is, it's just kind of yeah. like a nasty, it's like a slight, you know, body horror element to the film. Um, and, and then obviously he goes and he, he goes to the graveyard and we see, it always reminds me of a bit of like, you know, kind of old school style Clash of the Titans. Yeah. Um, where we see like John Freddy's Saxon. Home. Yeah, fight Freddy's bones with like a, a shovel, um, and then obviously rip yeah. John Saxon. Um, I love that bit. I love the bit with Freddy's bones, like in that stop motion style kind of thing. I I, I love that whole like fighting about that. I think it's such a it's such a classic kind of effect, but it, you know it, it looks good. I've got no reason to like go against it. And then obviously, old oh, Nancy's daddy gets thrown against one of the cars and gets impaled. Yeah. So, yeah, I, at first I thought I didn't know if he was going to... I think I've got so used to recent horror films where people survive certain damages <laughs> yeah. that I was expecting him to suddenly, like, crawl off of it or something. But, no, I think that's the last yeah. shot we get him and we're dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because I think he, you know, I think he dies. Um, and then... Uh, and then what is it? So, I think... Is that when the snake returns? I can't remember if the snake returns then. Or is that the bit where they all... Um, they all kind of get dragged into the mirrors, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, they got they get dragged and oh no, Joe, that was when Joey saves them. They all get dragged into the mirrors, um, but Joey's the one that breaks the glass, so he's yeah, but he goes, oh. first, yeah, his voice actually comes out and it, it shatters everything, uh, all of them, and they all come flying out the mirrors, including Freddy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That, that, I think I feel like we. It must have been around that time. I'm forgetting exactly when, but it's definitely before because I know what comes next, and the worm thing had happened before that. So yeah, she'd she'd consumed him. She'd consumed. Um, she'd started to con- uh, Freddie, sorry, started to consume as the worm thing cursed him, and it's Nancy who kind of helps her, isn't it? That's earlier in the film, I'm sure. I'm sure oh, that's when Nancy's I first think it came later. Oh, maybe yeah. you think no, it, it came is, later. It is, yeah. Maybe I'm, I thought it came back again, but no, I think it is just that scene. She she helps pull him out. Yeah, because that's the first time that Kirsten realised, uh, sorry, Nancy realised Kirsten has that ability. Yeah, so it's only yeah, really yeah. I, I'm thinking, I, I'm just thinking it came back later. I think, I think we it's because we see a shot of that worm near the beginning of the film, and yeah. then it comes back to haunt her again in that scene with Nancy. Yeah, so then this is the. This is the weird scene that I completely forgot was in this film. Um, oh, I, was, I forget it, this every time. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's John Saxon coming back like he's in freaking Ghost or he's coming yeah. down like Beauty School Dropout or something. Yes, it's exactly <laughs> Beauty School Dropout, isn't it? <laughs> it's when he just, he just comes what, down. It's like this kind of sparkle effect. Yeah, it's, one of these it's, where, it's one of these where I sat there going, I mean, I guess it's nice that they're allowing father and daughter to reconcile, but this, yeah. it got me because I completely forgot what happened. So yeah, every like... time it gets me as well. Every time I, <laughs> well, I, I haven't it. seen this one in a, you know like decades. So, um, it, but it completely. I remembered most of it though. But this part, I was like, "What the hell's going on?" I was like, "This is See, weird." I finally so watched like, it last like, two years ago. I it always gets me. Yeah, I was thinking, oh, they, I, I guess it's nice to have a bit of sentimental. As they were, didn't leave it on the best of terms, I guess it's nice. But this feels a bit out of place. We've never established that 
that they can come into the dream world. This. So I don't know why it didn't click in my head to think that this was a trick, but it didn't. He comes out every... and he hugs her, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, that's weird. And every it's not time it's heartfelt, yeah. so I don't think it would be, but okay, fine. <laughs> every time I remember, I see this scene. I forget about. I forget about it because it's only like a split. You know, it's only like a 15, 20 second bit. It's not made yeah. massive. And every time I fit, I see it, I think, oh, it's like Force Ghost um, John Saxon. And we're going to get Nancy kind of like against something, leading and looking yeah. at him. And then, you know, that like balance <laughs> from uh, Star Wars soundtrack plays as it kind of fades up. And I'm like, this is really weird. And then, it's Freddy and he stabs Nancy and I'm like, ah, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so, it's such a, yeah. it's just always a scene that just catches me by surprise. Yeah. It's weird. I think it's because it seems so out of place, but then it, and it weirdly, it's as if it knows that because it, it's kind of actually brilliant because it does so, including it kind of now in retrospect, it seems humorous that he adds in that whole kind of, sparkling effects like glowing yeah. <laughs> effects around her obviously this is before ghosts so it's not ghosts but it's that kind of ghost kind of imagery of like the light shining around him that it's like yeah it seems so out of place that it's like you forget it's a perfect way to make you not even think about the twist that's coming which is that nancy no. is fucked like he gets nancy in the gut with the glove you know then in, in inside and cursing like obviously reacts and you know he's Freddie thinks that Nancy's dead and throws her to the side kind of thing, and they all kind of think she's dead. Yeah. Um, and then, I can't remember what he... I'm, I'm blanking on what he does next with Kirsten now, because he goes after her. I can't think I'm of sure anything he's, specifically that happens. I'm sure yeah. he's just about to kill her, and then Yeah, he gets Nancy. her. He just gets her, and Nancy returns, and she has the, yeah, the glove. Yeah, and um, then she just stabs him in the back or something. And then when she stabs him, um, Neil he kind of backs Gordon. off. Yeah, and then Dr. Gordon starts burying the, the bones and he kind of has that effect where, you know, the holes start appearing in him. And he's like, no. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, as Nancy dies. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it comes right, it kills Nancy. But again, I, I, I feel like Nancy has a good arc in this film from the original yeah. to this one. It, it feels like a kind of natural, and because that is such an effective twist, it, it feels like it works. Because we had time to get to know Nancy, we got to see her kind of achieving more. But I feel like because of the character and the way that he's able to get to people, sadly with Freddie, it is one of those things where you feel like there's not really any way for anyone to ever fully escape. Like she's had to drug herself to ye- for years in yeah. order to never have him come back. Yeah, that's it. It's kind of how how do you end it um and i guess this was the kind of way of potentially trying to do it because obviously then we have to we have the patient's funeral uh dr gordon kind of walks around the corner that's when he finds the tombstone and sees yeah. that the you know sister um, mary helena sister mary helena yeah it was about kruger <laughs> and then he he goes to sleep with um like with the something that Nancy used earlier kind of I think it's like a Malaysian dream doll or something like that and he has Kirsten's house um, and yeah there's um, and then we get the shining light in there there's also there's a bit that I completely forgot to mention 
that I'm somehow unsure how he did it. But I think it's it's when uh, Kristen first gets sedated, and then it yeah. almost goes back to the start of the film where she's listening to the I can't remember what the opening song is, but she's listening to to this music and she's back in her room and she's doing stuff and then her mum comes in and says like oh you need to get to bed and then has the exact same conversation as it did at the start and then freddie's like i told that bitch to get my bourbon and he's got like his mum's head i always i (laughs) I don't know how we skip talking about that but yeah it's a bit that takes place earlier in the film oh yeah 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 that's quite yeah the mother's head again looks really cool the blood, like the parts of her, like of her, like tendons and stuff hanging down her body and stuff. It's still talking, yeah. Yeah, that's so no, cool. that's, a, that's a really cool. Yeah, we did skip. There's a few bits we've skipped in. There's a few special effects I think we probably missed as well that people would be like, "How did you forget to talk about that one?" Like the, well, that's the it. isn't there the pig, the roasted pig or whatever. <laughs> there is a roasted pig, but I think that's. Early in the film, there's a there's a suckling pig. Earlier in the film, um, you know, uh, but yeah, you mentioned that you had some stuff about the the production. Oh yeah, so I've um, so I was looking at because I, I'd heard I, I'd heard apparently that Wes Craven basically on every single film was offered is but was basically permanently offered the first one to be offered. Would you like to come back? Would you like to write another? Do you want to come back? They'd always give it to him, and then they'd normally like he'd craft and go no. <laughs> like yeah. with the sequel, he went no, I'm not interested in that. Um, but obviously, he like another said he he hated the comedic way, especially the way it went in the next one, Dream Master, yeah. um, when obviously Kirsten returns for a small part in that one, doesn't she? And she's off well, quite violently all, in like a fire. All of the yeah, all of the Dream Warriors are killed off in the yeah. opening of Dream Master just to set yeah. up this new, you know, this Which, new yeah, character. It might be down to cast, but it's also, I hate it when horror, I, I do quite often hate it when horror films do that, when they just kill them off in the opening. I get it, but at the same time, it's just an annoying thing. Like, we've got all this development. Surely you could just build more story around these characters and introduce more instead of yeah. resetting because they do it in, especially in Friday the 13th in Nightmare on Elm Street they seem to do it a lot it's just like right out with them let's get some new with ones these. yeah <laughs> it, would, it would be nice if you know we instead of just killing off all the characters you know we could uh, get some kind of nice almost nice closure for them you know because I guess that it gets to a point where Freddy doesn't come after them anymore you know, maybe when they stop being kids, you know, they become too yeah. old for him. You know, maybe that <laughs> too kind old of for him. But yeah, it's because they're going to be like, like I said, like I like the whole idea of the Elm Street children and the fact that he'll keep coming. It, it's almost implied at one point as if he'd keep coming until he'd got rid of all of the relations yeah. related to the Elm Street family, which again is a good way to bring it back. Obviously. Sadly, without the original, but it's a good way to bring it back around to say that I'm a relation, to bring in a relation or several relations of yeah. the original Elm Street family to bring it back to this kind of story for another Elm Street film. Um, so I was, um, so I was saying, so I was looking at some of the different ideas that they had um, and where else it could have gone. Um, so earlier, I was talking with someone from the uh, the uh, You Run podcast. 
yeah. um, on um, on Insta, uh, and we were talking about like how good of a sequel this was, and you know, he, he he mentioned what a great like how fantastic it is, you know, New Nightmare, you know, he, but he also mentioned New Nightmare as a comparison that to him that, that it's that one or Dream Warriors or New Nightmare to him is that, and I think I, I kind of mentioned uh, I know you're a bit of a mixed bag on New Nightmare. Yeah, I don't really like, like New Nightmare. You're not a but, keen on like, like you don't mind no. the concept, but you don't. I think I remember you said you don't like you don't mind the concept idea. You just don't feel pulled off very well. Kind of yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not overly huge on that. Um, yeah, because it's a pretty. A, sorry. Yeah, what a, a lot of people in the social media out on uh, on Twitter said that after, you know it was either this the best sequel or New Nightmare. New Nightmare gets a lot of love. I'm not going to hate. Praise. It's got a uh, yeah. what's his name? Like what's that British? Mark Commode, who's quite a, like a renowned British critic, and weird, he praises this film all of the time. New Nightmare, <laughs> I mean, not this one, all of the time. Um, yeah. I, get, I mean, I always liked it because it gave me the early signs of what Scream could be. But um, but I also wouldn't say that it's perfect. It, it, it comes off to me, like, I like the concept, but I always remember thinking that the way it looked looked very much like a TV movie. I don't like the way it's shot or anything. Like, those kind of things. There are certain parts of it that just don't work in my mind. But again, I haven't watched it in a long time. But anyway, New Nightmare was the first one. That was actually uh, Wes Craven's first idea. He pitched New Nightmare to them. Okay. Back, all the way back to the third one. He said, let's, he, he had that meta idea all the way back in this one and saying, oh, instead of trying to do that, you know, the second one didn't really work. Why don't we try and do something like this? And the studio wanted a direct continuation. They weren't, they weren't interested in that. Um, he did come up with another concept, but before that, John Saxon actually came up with a pitch for the film. So okay. several cast members came up with that. So, um, you know, it, and it, it, it said that like, uh, his take on it was a phenomenally weird um, and promised titled How the Nightmare on Elm Street All Began. And uh, this script was um, written by the actor and um, it's basically it turns Freddy into an innocent man who was framed for the child's murders in the backstory. Okay. So what is is like a a wild and this has been played up again. This has been this was kind of touched on a little bit in the remake kind of version of yeah. was he or wasn't he? Um, but yeah, John Saxon was the first one to kind of pitch the idea of you know um, Freddie being an unfortunate child, you know, and who is blamed for them, and he returns from the grave to wreak havoc and mob the parents who are forced to confess the murders. All those kind of ideas. Um, he wanted to kind of bring that back around for what they were thinking of like a final part in the trilogy. So it was more yeah. of a prequel than it was a, a sequel. So he wanted to do a prequel version. Then okay. we have Robert England, Robert England, who uh, gave us our third Wild Nightmare pitch. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so uh, with his uh, second drafted version of it, um, it was kind of repurposed for because obviously there's been a lot of talk recently about Freddy's Nightmares, the TV yeah. series, which I've I've never seen. I heard in America they've released all the episodes on a streaming platform, so people yeah, have been bloody watching dis- it. I think it's the bloody disgusting platform that they've got, um, and it's like an anthology kind of series, isn't it? Um, but it, which sounds perfect for it. But yeah, carry on. Yeah, um, his draft was entitled Freddy's Funhouse. 
which had started out as a script for a TV version and then yeah. turned into what he thought would make quite a good sequel. Um, and it, it, it apparently was really visually ambitious in the script. Um, the Springwood Slasher made um, one fa- made one four two eight Elm Street his dream world abode, and filled the house with killer booby traps in an inversion of the original movie's climax, uh, trapping teens who had sought sought him out intentionally. This sprawling story would have featured the sister of one of the original victims as its heroine, and a sleep scientist as its uh, antagonist. You know, extra antagonist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a twist that brings the series back to its inspiration. Craven, um, you know, the idea of um, teenage refugees dying of unknown causes in their sleep and doctors being stumped by the, by the reason for it. The whole idea would have been it kind of brings it back to that idea that, of why they're dying in their sleep and why were people dying in a different kind of way. So yeah, they okay. were all trying to kind of. They were all kind of trying to twist the concept. They weren't trying to go with the story. I think I feel like they were all trying to do something a little bit, a little bit new. Yeah, I mean, each one sounds like it could have potentially been interesting. To be honest, I mean, so and then Craven had what was seen as the darkest version, which is the one that they definitely is the one that they had him. He apparently wrote the scripts. It's out there somewhere. Yeah. I don't know if it's never been leaked, um, but it was. They said, nah, this is this is too dark. Okay. <laughs> so it saw it saw numerous teens traveling to the same location to kill themselves. So it had the suicide part, but it was more yeah. about them killing themselves. And Nancy discovering they had all dreamed of Freddy before dying. So it okay. sounds like maybe they took elements of this and redrafted it into Dream Warriors. Potentially, yeah. Um, Kruger himself was less talkative in the sequel, so again, linking with Craven's lack of the comedic side that it went in, and he was more profane, so he, you know, more disgusting, more sexual kind of way. And (laughs) his dream home was not not the Elm Street house, but rather a childhood ranch. So described in Craven's script as an architectural portal to Freddy's dreamscape, and a virtually limitless world of the human psyche in all of its dimensions. The house also posed a, uh, posed a problem for the series finances, um, called it a $20 million script. So that might also be why they passed on it, because it was really expensive. He'd, yeah. So he had gone full into the, like this one, he'd gone fully into the dream aspect, but he's really pushed for it to be, you know, and when they start to say make it less experiment and uh, less expensive, um, the Frank Darabont uh, version was produced, which he, Frank Darabont, who you know for things like Shawshank Redemption and the Mist, yeah. he had a hand in what led to the final version of Dream Wars. So it went on a lot of weird ways, but it sounds like Craven's one was the one that ultimately ended up inspiring a cheaper version, which became yeah. Dream Warriors. <laughs> Well, I think the budget for this, yeah. Well, I think the budget for this was like four and four, four and a half million. So it's definitely a a cheaper version. And like you said, you know, we've got the elements of the the the, you know the suicide. Um, So you can see that that's in there, Um, and this kind of dream research are definitely leading into a bit more of the dreamscape. So I, you know, you can see that, but. 
yeah, again, I think that would have been a really interesting one to watch as well. I think the the franchise itself has such an interesting, you know, has scope for so much more. Um, just because you know, because we you you can play around with this kind of stuff. It's you know, yeah. it's much easier it, as opposed to you know, uh, some someone like Jason or, or or Michael. As much as I love those boys, they're they're limited in how they can kill people. You know. Yeah. You can come up with some elaborate things, but you can't come up with anything as elaborate as turning into a giant snake and eating someone, you know? No, no. Whereas, no, this, this yeah. franchise isn't, isn't limited. It's so no. wide open, which is, it, which is kind of why it became sad that they got so stuck in this post-Dream Warriors kind of, or especially Dream Master, and they got yeah. so stuck in that. It's kind of sad that they... They allowed the franchise to get so stuck, and obviously, New Nightmare and tried to kind of reinvigorate in a different way. But that yeah. one was critically well performing, but not necessarily as uh, financially. Yeah. But the whole um, idea of it, you know, Fre- uh, Freddy always actually was the probably the best performing of all of the franchises, money wise. Yeah. Because it has such a scope of imagination. I mean, I'd say if. You know, I'd say to the studios and stuff, you know, if, if that Wes Craven script was a $20 million script, well, I bet it doesn't, it probably won't cost you that now. Brush it no. off. Update it, maybe get someone to do a bit of a rewrite. But, you know, you've got a script out there somewhere that, yes, might be a, yeah. little, might be a little bit dream warriors, but a little bit darker. That might be perfect for modern day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely. With the scope of actual dreams and dream landscapes. That could yeah. be a perfect script. So I, I don't know if that script. Uh, I, I, I might go and have a look after this and see if that script exists anywhere. But yeah, see if you can hunt it up. script out there somewhere that could well be adapted into a perfect modern day Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, um, and kind of you know just to to jump back over to the social media lounge over on Twitter um, at CMTH Podcast. This one, this one was popping. Um, so we had also, oh, yeah. you know, we had um, we had many, many replies. Um, so I'm just going to read a few out. Um, obviously, scaring Sam, um, another horror podcast. Um, Sam said, you know, it was the first time he was introduced to it was by a mate who prided himself on his vast collection of 80s horrors. Um, <laughs> first, he made him watch stuff like Ghoulies Go to College and Spookies. Um, so Dream Warriors felt like a masterpiece in comparison, which I could definitely kind of get with. Um, Simon did say that it was, um, you know, the original Legacy sequel. I got it wrong at the start. It was Simon. Um, Karen Madarasi Whelan. Um, said that you know her favorite of the season of the series season um, loved the return <laughs> of Nancy, but also welcome to prime time, bitch. So iconic. <laughs> um, and then just to to end us off, uh, we had Mister Cleaver, who said he owned the VHS and wore that thing out. He's turning thirty five with it, and he feels it every year. And I told him, hey, that's not a bad thing. You can call yourself vintage. Boom. <laughs> So you could always <laughs> well, I've come got over. a few because yeah. um, I I was I was asking people earlier about yeah take you know, us over you know on our Insta same again at CMTH podcast and I was kind of wondering you know first I wondered what people's thoughts were so we've got Midwest Mystery Files 
who said a fun sequel that expanded on the lore of the first movie and its protagonist and antagonist without going too far off the rails. The series has always been at its best when both Robert Englund and Heather Langkamp are both involved, which I agree. I feel like we've covered that. That's kind of our sent- sentiment here. J.M. Kilborn yeah. said it's a great sequel and it was one of the last times Freddy was scary, which again, yeah, agree. pretty true. Um, and then um, I asked, so then I asked a bit more of a controversial one, is Dream Warriors, and Robbie, you could put, is Dream Warriors the best Nightmare film? Is it the best? In, in terms of the way it uses everything it's there, is it better than the original? Does it take it further, or is it still just not quite there? I would... I, I, I don't know. I think I'd say it's maybe on par. Yeah, I, maybe I, best, I feel like... I I feel like there are some, it's one of those that's hard because I feel like, I I love the original and I think the original works perfectly what it is. And I feel like it's hard because I feel like even though these are close, they're also two very different beasts. One takes the imagination thing to the next level, but the original is definitely scarier. Yeah, I think it could depend on which day you ask me, to be honest. I Um, I think so. Uh, And uh, it's pretty, although on our Insta, it's been pretty, you know, so... Goes at horror friendly podcast and just yes, and uh, drink <laughs> beer and watch horror. Also said just yes that it's they uh, agree that it's a better film. Um, Scream Queen from Hell said it's definitely my favorite of the series. Um, Eva Lucas said it's a toss up between this and New Nightmare, um, but he says he tends to lean towards Dream Warriors as the best. Um, so mind. yeah, so we got. Most people were pretty much like, yeah, this is the best of the series, agreeing over. I didn't actually get anyone that said, no, the original is the best. That's interesting. An interesting one, because on every other one I've ever asked about, people have normally gone straight away. For the original. Yeah. It's interesting that I feel like, yes, this definitely does. It takes the concept somewhere that I think people are interested in, and I think that people want to see more of, I think I want to see more of this, but I, I, I want to see less. I don't want to see humorous Freddy, though. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I want um, to see a darker, scarier Freddy. It, but I, because he's still, even though he's doing them weird tricks and weird creatures and stuff, that doesn't mean he can't be dark and scary just because he's got a bit of a twisted sense of, you know, a twisted no, of course sense not. of like imagination. No, yeah. and I think this film shows it. You know, I think it is the, it's, it's the last. For me, you know, it's the last great Nightmare on Elm Street film. You know, it does show Freddy having this kind of dark humour, um, but it also takes itself, you know, Freddy is taken a more, you know, not quite as serious as the first one, but a bit more serious. Um, and it is a bit darker. Um, and But then it does play with, you know, more elaborate death scenes and, the, you know, the opening scene itself with the, you know, with the house and with the hanging corpses and all of that kind of stuff, you know, it shows what nightmare stuff Freddy is capable of creating and subjecting yeah. our, you know, um, our protagonists to, which is a terrible thing, you know, Phil's death is, you know, is, is prime death, you know, this power, this feeling of powerlessness and, you know, people watching it and, 
the horridness of somebody else controlling you, forcing you to do these things, you know. I think it's just a, it's an incredible film, really. And, you it know, is. before we wrap up, have you got anything else to add? No, I've literally just, you know, I, I love the original and I love this sequel. And, you know, although I, I don't mind New Nightmare, apart from the, apart from the original and this one, I've got a soft spot for Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, yeah, <laughs> same. I, I enjoy it. Everything else, though, is pretty much, uh, you know, uh, I'm not a fan of the humorous Freddy. I just never really found it. I found that the series really lost its way there. So, yeah, I'll admit. 35 years of this film, baby. (laughs) 35 years, baby. Um, So, you know, we we hope that you've... uh, You've enjoyed this journey into the dreamscape with us to celebrate 35 years of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street free Dream Warriors. Um, as always, uh, hit the subscribe button or the follow button so you get the episodes as soon as they come out. Uh, thank you for all of the support so far as well. Um, we've had some, you know, we've had some great feedback um, this kind of this month in general. So we always appreciate that. Um, and always leave, you know, if you could, please leave us a lovely review. It always helps. And uh, we will see you next Monday where we celebrate another anniversary. And we shall see you soon.